okay, so you look frozen. Did it freeze no, you? Here. Okay, no, here. all right. Yeah. Uh, Joe, uh, what you were mentioning um, is that when ordinary people come together, they will do ordinary things unless there's someone there that can redirect or re-guide them. And that the answer that you had immediately would be that when you see people criticizing, our natural response is to criticize them, saying, oh, don't criticize. Right, right. There may be another way. Yeah. And that is, is that when you come out of your own critical mind, then you can deal with people in a critical mind state non-critically and by doing so you can invite them out of the mind state that they're in and there's many many different little techniques and tools that we can do that to bring some humor into it for instance when the people are complaining about oh let us say the city's transportation or whatever it is that they're uh, complaining about in the moment uh, one of the things can be said is, oh, ain't it awful? Wow, I'm glad I'm in this room where everything is okay. Mm. And see what they say with that one. They may get, some of them will get the point and others not. Okay. But ain't it awful about whatever you're complaining about out there? Ain't it awful? <laughs> wow, aren't, aren't you glad that we don't have that problem in here right now? Mm. In other words, you're inviting people to think, investigate for themselves, to look into it. But if you tell them what they're saying is wrong, they're going to get their back up. Just like they did when they were diapers and their older sister told them what to do. Mm -hmm. So getting your back up is actually um, learned behavior, just like complaining is just learned behavior. And so it's your job is to uh, to wake up to that and recognize that you've got a choice. And by you having a choice, you can change your attitude. And then with your new change of attitude, display that with the invitation. Oh, you can have this attitude instead. Yeah. That would be something that a skilled Dhamma dude Dhamma teacher would do would be to redirect them away from their complaining into that right now is okay. But nobody bothered to do that. And in fact, in many of the meditation retreat places like that, the person who set up the meditation retreat or the, uh, the weekly group is the one who does some of the complaining. Yeah. And so she's because she's in charge or in uh, whatever like that. Uh, we're giving the nod or the OK for other people to remain mundane rather than continuously inviting people out of the mundane into the supra mundane. If you can do it yourself. That's the challenge. <laughs> Uh, it's all a matter of remembering to do it. Yeah. 
and taking the right effort. And since you've been taking the right effort over and over again and remembering to do it while you're sitting alone in seclusion, that means that you now can begin to remember it when you're, uh, let us say, in a, in, in a snake nest called a meditation class. Some, sometimes I find that when I, when I stop myself, if I find that I am in that situation and I realize, okay, I'm, I'm potentially going down something that is an unwholesome path, I'm going to stop myself, I kind of freeze and I, and I don't really know what to say sometimes. And, and then it sort of becomes an awkward moment or something because I, I don't, like, I can't, I can't think, I'm like, okay, I, there must be something wholesome or good that I can say. How can I say something really uh, nice or wholesome here in, in this uh-huh. time? But then it, it just comes out as, like, forced or unnatural and... Well, uh, here, here's the thing. That's because you're trying to deliver to them a gift that you don't have. Right, Yeah. So you deliver them the gift that you do have instead. Yeah. But if I'm still not well received. Right. If I'm if I'm still I I mean, I'm obviously still in Duca, you know, so if I'm still there, what what do I because you don't like the fact that they're complaining and you want to fix them? Well, I wanna I wanna help. I mean mostly I want to if I see somebody who's really stuck. I don't know that I that I want to complain. I I just want to be helpful to them. Like I like I hope people can be helpful to me when they see something in myself that is clearly. Uh, but you may be ready for hearing things, and some people are not ready to hear things. Mm-hmm. Um, a little example of that is, is that uh, one of the students was saying that um, he ran across a phrase in a book that really struck him. It was a really, really big point. Uh, and that he wanted to share it with his dad. Okay. Uh, and I cautioned him, be careful that that particular uh, line out of the book had influence for you because you had seen it over and over and over and over again and now you're seeing it stated in a new way and you get a big aha because you've got a trail going but when somebody hears something for the first time then they don't have any history with it at all and so they're not going to have the uh, the value of the repetition that that's in fact one of the key points that I make about the Dhamma is is that it has to be repeated over and over and over again within one's mind. That's what sati is about. That's why taking another deep breath mindfully and taking another out breath mindfully because we start to develop those skills over and over and over again. So now you're talking about being in a conversation with people and whatever it is that you would like to share with them, they're not going to get it the first or the second or the third or the fourth time you say it. Okay. That it has to be said over and over and over again. And that one of the major messages that you actually want to give 
Hello, Emmanuel. Hi, Emmanuel. Hello. So one one of the messages that you want to send to these folks is that it's okay right now to be happy. Mm. And the best way to send that message is by it being okay to be happy right now with you. And then you could call it in the sense of sharing your joy. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense. You really don't, you don't have to fix them. Yeah. What you can do is maintain your own joy and then you can share your joy with them. And if they're uh, into picking up on the joy, then they'll stop complaining or they may in fact start complaining in a more wholesome, joyful way. For instance, like they'll come to that point of, yeah, ain't it awful? Well, our government really sucks, ain't it awful? <laughs> Uh, so this is a way of uh, working with them rather than trying to give them the brutal truth or criticizing them for criticizing, because that's a little bit hypocritical. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it generally doesn't work. No. That a much better way is, is that uh, they can't touch you with their criticism. That you're really great. Just because they're criticizing something or another doesn't mean they're criticizing me. That is always when when we see somebody shooting bullets, we stand up and stand in the way so that we can catch one of the bullets. That's what's called selfishness. Yeah. Okay. But the reality is, is that whatever they're complaining about, they're probably not complaining about you. So why should you care whether they're complaining or not? They're not complaining about you. But when we say, oh, they should not be complaining, that means that now we're getting really selfish about it, that we're judging them. We're actually, in a way, complaining about them complaining. Yeah. But a much better way of seeing it is, is that, hey, they can't touch me. Whatever they're doing is not pro no problem for me. I'm good to go. I'm fine. And so now I can uh, uh, deal with them in a happy, healthy, uh, wholesome, friendly way. And then you can begin also to start asking questions. Like, uh, instead of talking about all the things that you're dissatisfied with, do you have any things that you are satisfied with? And see if we can get the conversation turned around. Yeah. And so we do it by several methods, and one of them mainly is, uh, or the one of the primary tools is asking questions to get people to look at what's going on, what they're doing. If you point it out to them, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to look at, they don't like the fact that you're rubbing their nose in it. Nobody likes that. And so, um, the the better way is to be above it all, to be aloof, to be uh, super mundane, that you don't have to be a target of the arrows and slings of outrageous fortunes that are coming out of these people's mouths. But they're not talking about you. So why should you care whether they're complaining or not?
if you have the idea, oh, well, they're suffering by their complaining, but wait a minute, if you go and complain to them about their complaining, aren't you just joining their pity party? Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I use the analogy sometimes that you're on a boat, a big boat, and um, someone falls overboard. And they're screaming and hollering, help, help, I can't swim, I help, I can't swim. Most Westerners understanding that uh, the situation will jump in too. They'll join in. Why is that? In other words, in our society, we say misery loves company. Or let's have a pity party. Or if someone is angry, they want other people to be angry. But in fact, when people are, are complaining and commiserating with each other, they actually, some people will intentionally go to the meditation place so that they can complain and, com and get someone else to agree with them because people by themselves, when they're complaining, get tired of it. They know that they're lying to themselves anyway. But if I can go and find somebody that I can commiserate with, now we can have a big pity party. Misery loves company. Or birds of a feather flock together. And they want you to join in there and commiserate with them. And here you are pointing out that they're complaining and complaining about it. And so that's uh, what they... What we can say is they came there looking for pleasure. If you can give them some pleasure because they're, they came for pleasure, but they're not really getting any pleasure out of doing their complaining. But you can give them some pleasure. You can give them a smile. You can give them a happy nod. You can, uh, 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 well, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with that problem. Yeah. Wow, you're a really tough girl for putting up with that kind of boyfriend or whatever it is that she's complained with, but you can always do it happily and joyfully, amusingly, make a joke out of any and everything to let them see for you that everything is really lighthearted. By it being lighthearted for you, you can invite them for it to be not so much of a problem for them that they can become lighthearted also. This will work in any situation, but it requires skill. What is the skill? Number one skill is to remember not to jump into their pity party. Don't jump off the boat just because they jumped off. Right. That's the first one. They're inviting you to come have a pity party with them. Don't do that. You have to remember to wake up to say, oh, no, I'm not going to go into that cesspool. I'm going to stay above it all. And then you can uh, remember then, once you have that sati, to gladden your mind. And one of the ways of saying it, wow, that's not much of a problem after all. I mean, it's not really that bad. Or another way of saying it is, yeah, well, it's not that bad because it's, it hasn't changed. It's been bad like that for a long, long time. What to do? Never yeah. mind. <laughs> and so we begin to make light of the problems because there's really no problems there. And when this audience that you're talking about understand that, and you could say it just a couple of happy words here and there. And um, if there is someone who wants to take over, then that will be a, an invitation for them to get their whole program back on track. So these are some skills that you can develop. 
And it's all just a tone over path. There's nothing there to do but to practice the path. Or to pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and then start practicing the path again once we get off the path. And just by the fact that these people are coming to a meditation class indicates that they're wanting something out of the Dhamma. Right. That that's different than walking into saying a school board meeting where they came to complain. Right. <laughs> Getting those people out of their complaining mentality is really a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> but coming to a meditation class and, and just complaining and complaining, they already know that that's not the best thing to do. And so you don't have to rub their nose in it, but you can invite them out. I'm, I'm not sure. Can... I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure that everybody, because I, I know at times when I was first going to meditation groups, I had an idea of what meditation and all this was that wasn't necessarily in line with the re reality that I've experienced. So I, I'm not I'm not sure that that's uh, like 100 percent true that everybody is is there for for what you're for what you're saying because they might be there for for a different reason they might be there because they think that it's just going to be really relaxing and really peaceful and there's you know and that's uh and well, then they're going to be the star of the show aren't they yeah if but if you're <laughs> able to do that but i'm just saying if if you come there and you, you come with all of your real world problems and then you think okay if i just sit here then i'm gonna just be uh extremely peaceful naturally without having to do anything in my mind at all just by noting my emotions i'll naturally become peaceful like i i don't know i mean it it, it works sometimes you know but you know i'm just saying because depending on the meditation technique or whatever idea that it is um that well, it, you can come into a meditation group for a lot of for a lot of reasons is what is what i'm saying and sometimes the reasons aren't necessarily uh yeah at least some some of the people that i've that i've when i've had meditation groups people come for all sorts of reasons you know uh so uh actually a better way of looking at it is is that people go to those meditation places and there's only ever one reason for anyone to ever go to the kind of place and that is they're looking for something now you're detailed on what are they looking for but the real issue is that they come looking yeah okay all right so looking at that commonality that they come there for looking for something yeah then uh if what they find is your joyous laughter your beautiful face with a big smile then they don't recognize what it was that they came for mm. But if they hear a bunch of gossip over in the corner and they go listen to that, then they'll think that this is what I came for. Yeah. So the fact that people are coming for something doesn't mean that they really know what it is that they're looking for. If, in fact, they knew what it was that they were looking for, they wouldn't be in that class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they I was going to say, if I, if I knew... Yeah, if I knew what I, what what I was looking for, that I mean, you know, I mean, this is we're talking in general, but you know, 
if, if, if it could sink in for me too, then. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying is, is that this is an opportunity for everybody. Yeah. That this is not just your opportunity, it's an opportunity for everybody. If you can get a happy smile on your face and in, in the face of whatever it is that's happening, then that will kind of uplift everybody. Yeah. Just like we can take one person who can drag the whole group down, one person can also uplift the whole group. And so uh, practicing from, from that perspective that uh, your job is to stay in a really, really good space. To get yourself into a good space and stay in that space. If you actually came to a meditation class, I mean, what other reason is there to go to the meditation class other than getting yourself into a good space and staying there for a while? Yeah. The only other pop option would be to be in that or to get yourself into a good state and remain in a good state without the meditation class. You don't have to go there. But a lot of people think that they have to go to the meditation class to get that. And then they wind up gossiping instead because they're doing what they know how to do. You, and know, you I, already I know how to do that. You too, you know how to do that. In fact, that's your general, your, uh, your answer to their complaining is for you to complain about their complaining. See how common that is. I, I have a question about, because you mentioned like getting into a good state and staying in it. And sometimes I notice in my mind, uh, like I, I just think about it because it was this this morning that I, I um, my, it's like my mind plays tricks on me where it it thinks okay that that like that trick that you have for keeping yourself in a good mood it does it's not going to work today like today today it's not going to work today it's just you know you're just going to feel horrible like like physically horrible and uh, guess what there's no trick to it that's the thought you choose to have right now yeah and so i just have to but I, i'm just thinking because can you wake I, up I, I to stopped, see I that that's myself, the thought I stopped, my, I stopped myself then so i had this thought and i stopped myself then but it's really it's really difficult sometimes i mean is it <laughs> No, you stopped it one time, you can stop it again. The really difficult part is when you get the attitude that this is too much work, I can't do it, I'm a loser, I need help. You become a victim, and that's when it becomes very hard. Okay. But when you have the attitude, oh, there's that thought again, never mind, I see it again, I can handle this. Yeah. Because those unwholesome thoughts are going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up when... Will you finally succumb to them and let them win? Everybody yeah. does it very quickly. The question yeah. is, is can you resist and resist and get on top of it and ride that horse and, and not let the horse throw you? Yeah, okay. That you have to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back, even in the face of other people are inviting you to practice your very favorite bad habit complaining yeah <laughs> but in fact as much of what meditation is all about is learning how to stop complaining 
that is a major, major feature of the Buddha's path. That in fact, we can say that not only um, are complaining uh, are unwholesome thoughts, they're also a particular kind of critical thinking. At least in ordinary critical thinking, you have the criticism in the sense that this is good and that's better. I like this, I don't like that. And we have division in there and this is okay and that's not okay according to criticism. This house is big, but that house is bigger. What complaining is doing is destroying everything. I don't care what it is, it's no good. Because that's the mentality that we have, is the mentality is, is that I'm in a complaining mood, and so any subject that you raise, I'm going to complain about it. Unless I'm around someone who is going to be laughing at my complaints. And, and is going to kind of, uh, okay, never mind, it's not a big deal, everything is okay. But now that we know that that's a favorite habit of your own is complaining within your own mind, having critical thoughts, we can be on guard for that. So that whenever your critical thoughts come up, we can catch that and says, hot dog, I don't have to have a critical thought right now, I can have a happy, joyous thought instead. I don't have to go around thinking about all the bad stuff. I can sit around and think about all the good stuff instead. That I can my, count my blessings instead of my wolves. Yeah. Complaining is just complaining about all of the dangers and all the problems of life. But people don't live that kind of life 100% of the time. If they did, they'd die early. No, we're all a combination of up and down. But if you have a choice about it, you could choose whether you're going to go up or going to go down. The choice is yours. If you can remember to take the choice. And then you have to take the effort to make that choice. That's one of the reasons why it's good to go do this in seclusion is because now you don't have that uphill climb of dealing with other people complaining and you can only, and then you only have to deal with your own mind doing the complaining. Yeah. So you can reduce the amount of complaints just by getting away from other complainers so that the only complainer you have to deal with is the one you brought into the seclusion with you. Yeah. And then we can start dealing with that complaining every time it comes. Aha, I see you, Mr. Complain. Yeah, you like to complain a lot. I've seen that. We're not even complaining about the complaining. We're just noticing, ah, oh, yeah, there it is. There's that complaining again. But I don't have to complain about my complaining. You can just accept it. Yeah, there it is. And guess what? I don't have to do that right now. Wow, what a joy it is to not complain for a little while. But the complaining is going to start up again. Are you going to complain about it the second time? The first time you were able to deal with it successfully. But when it comes a second or a third time, are you going to use that skill that you developed in the first time to deal with it again? Or are you going to find us who come to it? Oh, I gave it a good shot. I gave it my best. I was able to manage it once or twice, but it got me. <laughs> and guess what? We're complaining now. <laughs> So wakey, wakey, wake up to the fact that it's very easy for us to start complaining again 
And then we can say, never mind, start again. Let's come back into, I don't have to complain right now. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to have any goals that I'm missing or have to achieve. I could just relax. Everything right now is okay. And when you get that kind of well sense of well-being, you can walk into the meditation retreat place already feeling that way rather than going to the retreat place to get into that state only then to wind up complaining to other people about them complaining. Yeah. The best thing to do is to walk in there with your mind already fixed. Yeah. And then you can really get a kick out of it. Joyfully, happily. So this is an important point to remember. You've got a choice at any moment. Are you going to choose to complain? Or are you going to choose to enjoy the show? Everything's all right. Everything's fine. Just enjoy the show. You don't have to fix anybody. You don't have to stop people from complaining. You don't have to complain about their complaints. Just everything is okay. Everything is easy. And so these are the kind of thoughts that we want to cultivate. Wholesome thoughts. Everything is all right. Everything is fine. Nothing to complain about. In Australia, they say, no worries, mate. In Thai, they say, my me panha. But in English, we're already, we always have something to worry about, always got a problem to solve, always something to fix. So we're in Thailand, my pen rai, my me pan ha. My pen rai actually means nothing is awry or nothing is broken. No issues, nothing. Everything is okay. So this is kind of mentality to start cultivating. But we cultivate it from the position of everything's okay because I make sure that it's okay, that I've got the right. power. That's my choice. I choose that this is going to be okay. Everything's fine. And then we can relax. Oh, wow, I've got no work to do because everything is okay. Even in the meditation hall where they're complaining, you still have nothing to do. Everything's okay. They're obviously enjoying themselves. They're complaining because they that's what they like to do. They're just doing what they normally do. Except that if you get caught up in that, and then you start to complaining too, and you already recognize that, pay, that it's painful to criticize because you're there criticizing them in a painful way. <laughs> and so you know all about it. Yeah. But you only know about it enough for you to avoid it. And that's the place that we have to start. We can't fix the world in order for you to be happy. That you can't force all of those people to shut up so that you can have some peace and quiet. So, no need to complain about them complaining. Just enjoy them. And if they, if you,
you froze there. Can can you hear me? Well, oh, Skype died, but it's back alive. Oh, is it back now? Okay. Yeah, everything's all right. So, uh, Joe, Manuel yeah. is here. Yeah. Yes, Hi, Manuel. He's, he's downstairs. <laughs> he just arrived yesterday or so, and he's been out today. You're you're in Thailand. He's at the house. He's right here. He's downstairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when when did you arrive? Like five days ago. Okay. And where where did you come from? Germany. Oh, okay. Cool. Is it your first time there? Very difficult to hear you. Oh. It's, I think it's breaking up a little bit. Give me okay like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit better. Yeah, speak up and I'll hear you. Yes, yes, yes. So it's my it's my second time in Thailand. The first okay. time I traveled in Stone in Thailand. The time I was with my friend. And are you, are you enjoying it there? Very, very much. Oh, I have that's great. Home. Things are beginning to open up now. This month was the first time that they've done retreats at Deepapawan. Uh, and uh, Emmanuel got here just in time to miss the retreat that started today on Koh Samui. So he'll have to I've catch the next caught, one. I actually caught the next one. I'm sorry, what? I caught the next one already and I'm going. Okay, so you want book the next one, I think, is on December the 10th, is that? December 11th, yeah, I already got the contract. Okay, good. Oh, that's great. How how long is the retreat for? Seven days. Seven days, did you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are three retreat centers very close by. One of them is within a kilometer or two of here. The other one is up on the other side of the island, or actually not too far from here. And the one that we're talking about is on the island next door uh, on Koh Samui. Uh, and it's the first to open. Then, in fact, I was just asking Tuan about when is Anthony coming back from Finland to open the retreat center here on the island, and we don't have any information yet about that. But things are beginning to open up here on uh on the island we've got uh which businesses island, that, which island are you on Copangan. okay Ko -pa 
Nang. Okay. Kopanang. The type uh, people pronounce it that way because that's how it's written. But the Westerners always uh, pronounce it Kopangan. But Kopangan okay. is wrong. It's Kopanang. Okay. Uh, so we've got retreat centers here, and there's also retreat centers on the mainland, but COVID has just stopped everything and has for so long. But it looks like that by the end of the year, many of the uh, resorts and facilities here on this island are going to be opening up. Okay. Then, in fact, Manuel was able to uh, come to Thailand and only have to spend one night in quarantine, which is brand new. Oh, that's great. Before anybody who came into Thailand had to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. There's been a recent outbreak, but the outbreak here in Thailand does not come from international travel because there's, they're very careful about that. The problem is coming from people from Burma coming into Thailand to get away from how bad the COVID situation is in Burma that we don't know because there's no news. But it assumes that, number one, they've got no vaccines. They've got no government interference. No one is wearing masks. There is no medicines. The hospitals are, I mean, they're, they're literally in Burma, it appears, they're doing nothing except just letting people get sick and die. <laughs> and a lot of those people are trying to escape from Burma to get to Thailand. And they're bringing the disease with them. And so that's why there's outbreaks in Thailand is because it's coming from Burma. And Thailand and Burma has a long, long, long border, like five or 600 kilometers of mountain and river and that kind of stuff. So it's actually quite easy for people if they really want to, is to come over illegally. We don't have no walls. <laughs> Donald has not been in Thailand. <laughs> And Manuel, how how did you decide to go to Thailand? I was I was interested in checking out Thailand, just just like that. And I was just interested also in finding a place to go on a retreat, you know. And I thought my best chance is with Come here and see what's happening. Yeah. Have you been practicing like on your own in Germany for some years or do you have a Sangha there too? No, I didn't have a Sangha, but uh, I've been practicing for well, since 2017, I guess, when I had my first retreat with me. And after that, I, I had another Goenka retreat, but that's, that's it when it comes to retreats. But I've been okay. practicing on my own. Yeah. Like that. Well, sometimes it can be more effective to practice on your own than being at a retreat anyways in my experience, but 
it de- depends on the, the the retreat and uh the settings but you can you can set up really like you know you can set up nice like self retreats and stuff like that and set up your life to be relaxing and yeah <laughs> at least that's that's my my attempt at- i i i think that it, we can actually bank the covid situation for that Mm-hmm. In in the sense that Buddhism coming to the West seems to have gotten very very retreat oriented, right? Like you you ain't had no meditation until you spend two thousand dollars on a ten day retreat. You know that's the kind right. of the medita- mindset. But yep. uh, COVID has almost put ten day retreats out of business in the United States, right? <laughs> Uh, which is a good thing, because that means that people can figure out that they can practice on their own, and they don't need yeah. those kind of meditation retreats. Yeah. That as a veteran of meditation retreats, I don't recommend them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For for a lot of years, I've been I've been trying to set up my life kind of to be less uh yeah to, to try to be on on retreat all the time that's the, the goal anyways is like i live in the countryside and i uh, don't meet so many people and uh yeah i mean you you guys are like my social interaction so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that's true for uh the the vast majority of those who do get into the Dhamma and they don't have the skills for themselves to maintain it. No one of us does. No, I know. Because the training from childhood is just too strong. I know. Uh, But getting into community and helping each other, uh, then in fact, one of the qualities of the Sangha is just to help each other come out of our own personal wrongdoing that we are delusional about thinking that it's yeah. okay to do that when in fact it's it's not like you're talking about complaining yeah that you you can see that oh when those people do the complaining i don't like it therefore it must be bad but when you right. yourself do it you don't even recognize that you're doing it too yeah until someone can point that out so you're pointing out uh, I'm pointing out to you what you were wanting to point out to them. If you can point it out to them the way that I pointed it out to you, everybody's going to be really happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, def- I definitely see the value of Sangha for sure in in helping to, you know, keep keep you on track and, yeah, working towards the same thing. And And the other kind of, like, ironic thing is sometimes trying to set up this sort of like life like this that's a little bit more relaxed and enjoying is sometimes I've found wait a minute I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm off track a little bit I'm not I'm not really doing what I'm, I'm just not practicing you know and and you just realize that you just sit there and you're like wait a minute I mean I'm I'm not I'm just not practicing it's just not happening right now even though I have great conditions for doing it Ah, but part of the reason for that 
is, is that all of the people that you are around in your daily life, except for this one time when you go to this meditation uh, class, almost all of the people that you um, uh, all the people that you deal with are ordinary people. And so their invitation to you is to join them and be just like they are. Yeah, but I, I mean, in like my life, the way that it's set up, I, I really don't meet many people. I mean, I'm, I'm a farmer, and so I, I mostly am working at home. I, I really don't meet that many people at all. Like, okay. that's just the reality. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually great for the present moment. But there's also all of the people that you brought onto that farm with you. Yeah. In, in my your mind. head. I know. Yes, in your mind. Right. Yeah, and I'm, so I'm now, well aware of that. <laughs> okay, so in that regard, it's better for us then to have new people who have wholesome points of view. It's yeah. good for us to, to associate with Dhamma dudes. Yeah. As opposed to ordinary people. That in fact, since the time of the Buddha and all along since then, the whole idea is, is for noble-minded people to collect together and live together. This is what a commune or a community or a wat or uh, a vihara or uh, even just a spot out in the woods where the guys collect together. Yeah. Uh, that we have this quality of associating with those who will be of benefit for, for us as opposed to associating with people who are not going to be a benefit for us. And we all operate that way. The question is, is whether we're going to use wisdom rather than our greed to decide who is going to be a benefit to us. Because if we uh, want to associate with wealthy people because we may be able to get some of their money somehow, if they're stupid and it leaks out of their pocket, I'm going to be there to pick it up. And so a lot of people go around looking for, for friends that way. We, in fact, have language for that. One is called gold digger and the other one is called gigolo. But we have people that are commonly wanting to associate with people that are more wealthy than they are hoping they can get some benefit from it. But that's yeah. not very wise. What we really want to do instead is find really high quality first class people and then hang around them because then some of their goodness may leak off, may rub off, may fall yeah. out of their pocket intentionally or so. And so this is what the, the, the quality of the Sangha is really all about. Is, is that we can gain benefit from others who are actually also practicing, but not may be experts at the very thing that we're trying to practice. That I remember in high school that some of my best friends were also piano students. That the guys who played the piano, they knew each other. Some of them had the same teacher, et cetera, like that, or they went to the same church or uh, knew each other from band or something like that. And so this is what we mean is that we can, in fact, if we are careful, if we select, we can find good, wholesome friends. But we often just take whatever's available. Because we're kind of lazy, but you can, in fact, cultivate good friends.
And that's what I'm promoting here is to find some of our friends here that are actually practicing the Dhamma because we can help each other do that. We can point out each other's mistakes. And one of the mistakes that we could point out is, hey, you don't have to feel bad because you made a mistake. You could feel good because you can learn a good lesson from that mistake. So if you if you make a mistake and then don't like that mistake and want to hide from it, now we've made two mistakes. Hmm. But if we deal it correctly, then the mistake that we made is actually a teacher. Thank you very much. I learned a lot from that one. And so we can continue to make uh, that choice about, am I going to be joyful even when I've made a mistake? Even if I've hurt somebody, I can joyfully go get forgiveness. But our society, we use words like sorry. An apology has to be a downer. I have to say, I'm sorry. In other words, I, I already feel bad. Please don't punish me to make me feel even worse. I already feel bad enough. Maybe I feel bad enough for you so that you don't have to make me feel bad. I already feel bad. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what's expected of us is to feel bad. Well, you don't have to. You, it's your choice. You can screw up. And feel good about it. Yeah, I saw that. Aha, uh -huh, I see you, Mara. And then we can learn something from it. And we and this is one of the reasons why we want to be around Sangha is because the standards in the Sangha are so much higher. We begin to pay attention to what's going on. Because other people are doing the same thing. But if you go hang out in a bar, you're much more likely to become an alcoholic than you are a saint. If you go hang out at the army base, you're more likely going to be angry and uptight than if you hang out at the bar, which will be drunk. I mean, it's your choice, but wherever you hang out, that place that you're hanging out will rub off on you. As well as the people that you hang around your quality will rub off on them just as their uh, non-quality, they'll try to rub that off on you. So your choice is, is to say, no, I'm going to remain high quality. But the better way to do that in the beginning is by being associating with other high quality people. Until you get into the habit of it, get used to it. And then you could deal with anybody in that high quality way. So again, we're talking about the value of the Sangha. The Sangha is uh, a key ingredient. That if we cannot develop spiritual friends, then what's, what value is our practice anyway? Right. But if we do develop spiritual friends, then that means that we'll develop a friendship with the spiritual being within us. We can become friends within. 
we can become friends within, we can become friends without. But if we're constantly around other people who are complaining and not being so friendly, then it's hard to pick up friendship from them. It's better to be around other people who know what they're doing, who are already wise enough to invite you in and give you a nice, wholesome conversation rather than a complaining conversation. Huh? But we started this with the foot on uh, the shoe on the other foot. And that is how can you walk into a meditation place where you're expecting to find Sangha and what you find is a bunch of people complaining anyway. Where what we really need to do is to go in there with the idea of creating a Sangha even inside that place which is not used to having a Sangha. In other words, your job is to make friends with these people. Right. That, in fact, those may be the very best people for you to try to make friends with because they've already said uh, publicly that they're wanting something out of meditation. They're already right. there for it. Right. I mean, this is not the same thing as putting on a billboard, the end is near, and walking down Main Street trying to convert right. people. You know, <laughs> let's be more clear and more careful about who we're going to communicate with. So in that group, we got three levels. We've got the level of the nobles that we want to learn from. And then we have the ordinary people who are there to learn how to become nobles. And then we have general society. And general society does not want the Dhamma. Therefore, trying to give the Dhamma to members of normal members of society is, as the joke goes, it's very much like trying to teach a pig to sing. <laughs> it frustrates the teacher and it really annoys the pig. <laughs> So let's be careful who we're trying to get to sing. Yeah. And the best place to go to get people to sing is guys who already have a, uh, a gusto singing voice. Yeah. And those are the guys that you want to go hang out, the nobles. And this is why we're developing this whole concept of online sangha is for us to mutually support one another in our own spiritual growth, which means that we need to do a bit of confrontation with each other from time to time, just like I did with you in the sense that you were complaining about people complaining. Yeah, yeah. And I had to point that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that gives you a great deal of value. You can't, in fact, blame those people for complaining anymore because you're doing the same thing anyway. <laughs> We're all in this mess together now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I know because I've done a fair deal of complaining myself. I still do it sometimes. It's fun. <laughs> but not often enough to where it's painful. And so we have to be very careful about our complaining. But in any case, this is the whole quality of Sangha that we're looking for, is, is that we can gain enormous advantage by dealing with people who are um, better than we are at whatever level that we're speaking of. So right. someone who wants to learn to play chess, he joins a chess club. 
right? Because he's going to go play with people who really know how to play chess. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and you go into a meditation class, that's the right place to go. Everybody who went to that meditation place were going to the right place. They just all happened to bring their own baggage with them. But that doesn't mean that you don't want to go to these meditation places. No, in fact, you could say that you're, um, you go there to practice meditation. Guess what? The real practice then that needs to be done is practicing dealing with people who are complaining. And that's how you'll gain skill. So go there to the meditation retreat um, uh, meeting with the intention of practicing meditation, Anapanasati, practicing having that wholesome mind, even in the face of other people who would rather complain. Sorry, I have to keep saying the same things over and over and over and over again. There's nothing new here. It's all the same. What do you think, Joe? Um, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but what do I think? Mm. Uh, I think that I should try. I should try that. <laughs> I should. I should just keep trying. Is is the only thing that I can, that I can do, really. Actually, uh, trying has the quality of failing in it. Why don't you just do it? Just do it. Yeah. Just practice doing it. Yeah. Because it's not that hard. I mean, there's nothing to fail at. All you have to do is remember to do it. And I mean, how easy it is to smile. You've been doing that for your whole life. Just not often enough. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we have to remember to do it. So that's the, the way of, of, of thinking about it is you said, yes, that's a, an amazing opportunity for you to practice the Dhamma. Yeah. I, I still I still find it difficult though. I, I know it's just theoretical, but it's if somebody has like serious emotional things going on or something, like say they're suicidal or they've gotten divorced or something like that, and hearing people talk about that, that as a human, I, I struggle to ignore to ignore it kind of, or not you're not really ignoring it, but I, I I just I just don't know what to do in those situations and it often comes up in meditation groups that you're like, man, I've been, I have no other place to talk about this. I have to talk about how depressed I am and I want to kill myself. Actually, that's the whole point then. That's amazing opportunity for you to ask questions like, well, why do you keep thinking about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Why can't you find something useful and valuable and wholesome to talk and think about? Right. Why think about suicide when you can think about howdy doody or going to the movies or going to see McDonald, Ronald McDonald or whatever? I mean, I love the Muppets. Why do I have to think about killing myself? <laughs> yeah, so we can change the subject with that. That's the whole point is, is that yeah. if people come yeah. into that meditation place yeah. to complain, yeah, get them to at least get you know, get that off their mind for a few moments. Yeah. Hey, man, don't do it here. If you're going to kill yourself, why don't you go off to the bridge someplace? If you fall, if, I mean, if you jump off of our ledge, you'll just land. There's only a foot. <laughs> go to a bridge or something <laughs> and jump off. Or the way that psychologists have done that, 
And I know, I even know of one psychologist that actually keeps a real gun in his office. Because he's not messing around. So when one of his clients come in suicidal, he hands them the gun and say, I want to watch. <laughs> let me let me I see guess, you do it. <laughs> I guess nobody's taking him up on that yet. <laughs> no, never, never happened. That in fact, that's probably the very, very best intervention that there is for suicide. Or the one that's very close to it is, wait a minute, let me out on the ledge with you and we'll hold hands and jump together. Hmm. And that always wakes people up. Wait a minute, I don't want you to die too. It's just me I want to die. Well, why do you want to die too, you know? And then they begin to start waking up and recognizing that what they're thinking about is stupid. Right. And so the, the point is, is when they walked into that meditation hall with thoughts of suicide, they brought a problem that doesn't exist in there with them. Those problems don't exist. There is nothing there that's worth killing yourself over. Right. That that's delusional thinking. And so if you are, in fact, going to go to a, this meditation place and you are running across people like that, then you could be their savior just by laughing at them. Oh, suicide. What a stupid thing to do. Here, sit down and enjoy lunch with me. <laughs> or suicide. Hey, I want to watch. <laughs> are you sure you're going to do it? I mean, are things really that bad? I think I think so many people make this thought pattern of I want to kill myself. I'm so depressed so much to themselves. That when they are being confronted with something like that, OK, well, go ahead. Actually, they are being attacked. Something in themselves is being attacked and they don't want to let go of those patterns of those thoughts. That's exactly right. That, that we cling to something, um, almost always um, suicide is a kind of revenge. That we want to be dead so that the people who were around us causing us to feel like that we wanted to die, they'll feel guilty. They made me do this. They'll feel bad. I'll be able to, I don't know how to get back at them any other way other than doing myself in. Or I'll, in order to get back at the CEO, the only way I can get back at him is by destroying the entire country or company and putting 500 people out of work, but at least I got him. Okay, so this is the way of suicide, but that's also the way of complaining that often the people that we complain about are never harmed. They never hear about our complaint. But the people who have to listen to that complaint are the ones who are being harmed. And there seems to be also a, a social norm that sort of encourages this sort of empathy that when I imagine a situation like, oh, you're suicidal? Well, go ahead. Then everybody would think, oh, you have no empathy. Like, why don't you empathize with that person? I think that's why there's a lot of discouragement to, to maybe react in such a to a direct way. Ah, but guess what? The only people who will make that kind of statement 
are the ones who would, in fact, uh, like to watch. Or voyeurism, or another way of saying it is they commiserate with that person. They're on his side. Oh, he feels so bad and wants to commit suicide, and I feel that bad too. And if I was complaining and wanted to commit suicide, I don't want anybody to tell me that they want to watch and, and be happy and joyful about watching me commit suicide because I'm really in a bad mood to, to commit suicide. So those are the ones who were complaining about that is the ones who already uh, are commiserating and want to feel bad themselves. And so now they're complaining about you being joyful talking to somebody about to commit suicide, and they don't even recognize that that's the, that's the best intervention. Joy is the best intervention for any bad feelings that I know of. I don't know anything that's better, a better cure for anger rather than joy. I don't know any feeling better uh, that's an antidote or a cure for grief other than joy. Yeah. An example of that is, is that, oh, poor grandpa, he died and I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to him, oh, boo-hoo. And he walks up to the Dhamma dude in that mood and the Dhamma dude will say, hey, I remember your grandpa. He was a really great guy. I remember we went fishing together and all of that. And so now we can have that joy about grandpa rather than grief. Why do we have to have grief when he died? Why can't we celebrate his life instead of uh, commiserate over the loss of him, his death? So it's all that way. We all, I mean, we could change anybody if you have enough juice. If you, if, in other words, if you bring a syringe full of joy, you may have trouble getting that person inoculated. But if you bring a fire hose <laughs> and you start spraying them with your joy to where they are just completely overwhelmed with it, then naturally it's going to affect them. Yeah. But that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing on the internet or on, on Skype here is to w work with students who come on with, you know, oh, poor me and my life sucks and what can I do about it? And within three, four, five minutes, I've got them laughing. <laughs> to get them out of it. And that's the whole teaching is to come out of our negative thoughts, come into happy, joyful thoughts, one after another, after another, and our life becomes wholesome and joyful. Right. And so now can you take that uh, back to the meditation uh, class and share your joy with others? And that's what Sangha is all about, is going around, sharing our joy, and bringing people out of their misery. And sometimes we have to point out their wrongdoing that got them into that misery so that they can say, oh, I don't have to do it that way. Yeah. But you can't do it by criticizing their criticism. That just doesn't work. No. <laughs> it doesn't work. But you could be joyful instead. And then if you're joyful, it doesn't matter whether you get them to be joyful or not. You've got joy. 
They can't touch you. They can't pull you back down into their uh, complaining mentality. You won't let them do that. That's why it's a skill to be developed, and this is the development of that skill. Do you have the strength of mind to be happy when you would rather deep inside in your instinctual being want to criticize them for criticizing? Where's your joy? Let's bring them in that. Yeah, let's get some happiness here. Let's never mind about all of that stuff. The world is out there being fixed by hundreds of millions of people are out there doing a 100% best effort repair job on society. And they all wake away from that job every day feeling guilty and sad and disappointed because they can't fix a broken world. Guess what? The world ain't broken. What's broken is our attitude about the world. The world's an amazing place. It's wonderful. Full of all kind of crazy nutcases. Quite a show. <laughs> <laughs> Up to you. Your choice. In my experience, it's yeah, in my experience, it's not something to sort of create ideas about or or, or think about. So or complaining about, oh no, why am I not? Why am I not having this positive energy right now? Why am I not positive right now? But it's rather a thing of practice. Thing and that this just joy is a sort of a byproduct. So there's no need to worry about. I don't know, not not feeling that joy. We have a lurker here. His name is uh, Green Tana. Green Tana, are you on? Are you here with us? I've actually I've actually got to get going, um, and I'll try to carry the message of joy forward. Uh, yes, I was, I'm going. I was, I'm not going to try. I'm going to do. I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yes, I was. I was about to wrap up. That's why I was inviting uh, Grinton, uh, Grintana to uh, to say hello. Okay. But uh, this is a good time for us to uh, finish this off, and I really have enjoyed yeah. our conversation, uh, Joe. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Been repetitive, but that's how we do it. Over and yeah. over and over again, same thing until we get it. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. All right, Manuel. We'll Thanks see you lot. in five minutes. <laughs> nice, nice to meet you, Manuel. And if I don't see you before your retreat, uh, good luck on your retreat, and I hope that it goes really well. And yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. See. Yep. Right. See you guys. See ya. Bye.